you can only pursue god to the degree you know that you're pursued by him let me say that again you can only pursue god to a degree to the same degree that you know that you are pursued by him he pursued you first somewhere somewhere our christian life looks like as if god is lost and we are trying to pursue him look at somebody and say god was not lost you were lost <laughs> and you're found that's the good news you are found you're finally found it doesn't say the lost shepherd it talks about the lost sheep <laughs> but we behave as if god was lost and we come into church panting our lungs out and wondering oh maybe today i'll find god i'm telling you you don't have to find god god has found you god has found you that's the good news of jesus god was never lost we were lost and he found us ephesians 1:4 says he chose us in him before the foundations of the earth here's my question when did god choose you before the foundations meaning before there you go before genesis 1 was 1 happened god chose you before genesis 1 was 1 happened god chose you before adam and eve sinned god chose you the beauty of the gospel is the gospel did not began as a reflex action for what adam did in the garden of eden it was not like oh adam and eve did something and god you know was caught by surprise and god was like oh man now what do i do this like completely falls out of my grid of my thinking no the gospel did not began after adam and eve sinned the gospel began in the mind of god even before he created adam and eve you were chosen before the foundations of the earth meaning even before adam fell the entire humanity fell in sin you were chosen in christ that's the good news of the gospel <laughs> we see you know what we give so much credit to ourselves thinking oh you know what i i i i am the one who's pursuing god i am the one who chose god yeah meaning there's there's some truth to that but you don't see the you don't see the bigger truth which is that god chose you before the foundations of the earth even before adam fell even before he sinned even before eve could think about eating from that tree god chose you in christ he chose you in christ you were chosen if today you are sitting here and you're listening to the gospel and you're responding to god's word and you're calling him abba father that's enough evidence for you to know that you were chosen by him you know once jesus jesus asked his disciples what do people say of me and the disciples said some say you are elijah some say you are john the baptist you know some say you are that prophet but jesus says okay you tell me what do you what do you say who am i and peter says you are the son of god 
No doubt, you are the son of God. Look at what Jesus says. He says, No flesh and blood has revealed this to you. My Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. For you to even recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, no flesh and blood has revealed this to you. It's not your natural mind. It's not your intellectual mind. It is the Spirit of God that has worked in your life. It's the Father from heaven. In His grace, He has revealed this to you. It's a John in 1 John chapter 3 says, Oh, what a privilege. Behold, what a privilege it is for us to call Him Abba Father. Do you call Him Abba Father? Do you know the very fact that you call Him Abba Father is, has nothing to show of your credibility but to show His grace that is working in your life? You couldn't have come to this revelation that He is your Father without God revealing it to you. So I want to say this. If you walked into this room and your eyes are here and your ears are hearing the gospel, even your eyes can hear. If your ears are hearing the gospel, see that as an evidence that God has chosen you and he has worked in you and his spirit is within you. You have to find your full confidence in what God has done than in what you have not done. What can you do for God? In compared to what God is doing in your life, what can you do for God? There's, there's nothing that we can compare. It's like heavens and earth. There's a, there's a huge difference. Forget God. I'm saying... Can you even love your own parents who are earthly, who are human beings? Can you even love your own parents even half, 50% of how much they love you? Can you do that? But none of us, none of us, you know, compete with our parents. Why? Because we take it for granted they are our parents. Yeah, they are, they are meant to love us. But somehow with God, there's this pressure. Oh man, how much am I loving God? Oh bro, the parents, he created your parents too. Don't take unnecessary pressure. Let go. The question here is not how much you love God. The question that you should be truly asking is, do you know how much God loves you? It's the knowledge of God's love that will automatically stir in a passion to love him back. We love because he first loved us. You can't love God first. That's the truth. Let's just accept it. Let's rejoice. Yeah, I can't love God the way he loves me, but I can rejoice in his love. I can receive his love. Just, just imagine. Just imagine you have a child. Okay, Even single people. Just imagine. You can imagine, right? Just imagine you have a child. Your own child. And every morning when the child wakes up, the child is running helter-skelter in the house, panting, their lungs out, trying to please you. And trying to be like, Father, am I loving you enough? Are you okay? Is this good? Should I do anything more? What does that show? That doesn't show good 
on the parent. You don't get it. When we panic so much, it doesn't show good, it doesn't reflect right on the father. It shows the insecurity that we have in ourselves shows the inadequacy of his goodness. Becomes secured in his love that God loves you and there's no truth, there's no reality in heaven and on earth that can change that. Amen. Mm. That's why our life should be a life of joy. It has to be a life of joy. Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy is one third of the kingdom. You don't like joy, don't go to heaven. I'm serious. You don't like gold, don't go to heaven. <laughs> For all the Pentecostal born Christians. You don't like joy, don't go to heaven. Because the Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In his presence there is fullness. Oh, fullness. Do you know what fullness is? Fullness means fullness. I, I checked in the Greek. It still means fullness. Also the Hebrew. Still fullness. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. So I, I understand that we come to his presence weeping. But what I don't understand is when we leave his presence weeping. That means you did not meet my God. <laughs> you met somebody else in that prayer. <laughs> or you left too soon. In his presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. What does joy look like? Straight face. Maturity in the kingdom is to be childlike. It's to be childlike. Knowing that your father has everything in control. That you have nothing to be worried about. It's to be rejoicing. Amen. Maturity in the kingdom is to be childlike. Be childlike. So... How did I begin? There is no illegitimate reason for you to be sad today. No illegitimate reason. If Christ has knocked on your door and if he has come into your life, there's no illegitimate reason. So look at one another, find somebody who is not joyful and say, be joyful, brother. <laughs> at least out of pressure, be joyful. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do you know, do you know, Jesus is known as the king of Judah. He comes from the tribe of Judah. He's known as the lion of Judah. He's the king of Judah. The lion of Judah, the king of kings. Judah means praise. What does Judah mean? Praise. Judah does not mean weeping. Judah does not mean mourning. Judah means praise. He is the lion of praise. He's the king of praise. Right? Let me show you another verse. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12. Ephesians 1 verse 12. 
Are you with me? So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In the we, do you come? Who is this we who has put their hope in Christ? Do you, do you, put, their hope, do you put your hope in Christ? Yes. Do you? Yes. That means this we is you. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. You are the praise of his glory. You are the praise of his glory. In other words, you are the certificate of God's glory. Do you know when do you get a certificate? Before the course finishes or after the course finishes? So you get a certificate. This is to certify that so-and-so has completed. You are the certificate of not your glory, of God's glory. He started the work. He finished the work. And now he's saying, you are the certificate of my glory. You are the expression of my glory. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece created in created in Christ Jesus for good works which God created beforehand. Here's my message on holiness and godliness. Hallelujah. Our responsibility is to recognize that God has completed his work on the cross. You and me cannot add anything more to what the cross has accomplished. And today the cross declares that you are made holy once and for all. The cross declares that you are made righteous once and for all. Oh pastor, but I don't feel holy. You don't have to feel holy. You just need to believe that you're holy. Bible is not about feeling. Bible is about believing. When you believe, the feeling will come. Don't let feelings dictate your life. Feelings are good indicators. Let them indicate. And sometimes you as a master need to show them you have to indicate this right now. Just imagine if you were driving the car and you put the left indicator but the right indicator is, you know, blinking. That means what's, something is wrong with the lights. You need to change the wiring. Just like that, when God says you are holy, even if you don't feel holy, you believe that you're holy, the feelings will realign. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. This doesn't happen once you get to heaven. This has happened when Jesus died on the cross. You are made righteous. That's the good news of Jesus. You are made righteous. My responsibility as the pastor while delivering the gospel is to tell you, you have already got it, guys. You already have it. It's within you. You have it. There's nothing more that God needs to do in your life. So this verse says, Ephesians 1 verse 12, that we who put our hope in Christ, we have become the praise of his glory. We have become the certificate of his glory. How, how do you think God's 
certificate should be for the task that he has accomplished. Poor certificate? Excellent certificate? How would it be? From a scale to 1 to 10, just think about it. If God has done something, how well does he do it? But then, if, he, if he's done 100%, then why is it that we, in our lives, we are not so joyful, we don't rejoice in that praise, or we do not express that same God's glory that he has already done? You know why? Because we don't believe. We don't believe. We still don't believe the cross. We still don't believe the resurrection. My friends, can I tell you, there's nothing more that you need to know other than the gospel of Jesus. Every Sunday, we have to learn again and again of what Jesus done on the cross. When he said, testless tie, he meant it is finished. It is finished. It is finished once and for all. Your sins were forgiven once and for all. Even the sins that you're about to do, they're forgiven. Your sickness was healed once and for all. You are delivered once and for all. You're delivered from everything that tries to enslave you. Amen. Look at the power of the gospel that every week we need to come back and hear it again and again, again and again. Why? Because this mind is moti buddhi. Thick skin. We, we think that we believe the gospel, but can I tell you, we don't believe the gospel because if we truly did believe the gospel, we'd be walking like Jesus. So instead of saying, I believe the gospel, I think what's appropriate is to say, I am learning to believe the gospel. We are all learning to believe the gospel. We're, we're all getting there. We're all in Bible school. And the training never ends. Amen. Isn't that amazing? So, Paul says, you are the certificate of God's glory. You are the praise of his glory. What does praise look like? What does praise look like? Rejoicing. Singing out. Shouting for joy. And you see throughout the Psalms, every author who has written, the, you know, written, written a chapter in Psalms, when they have written the song, they have sung this shout for joy. Make a joyful noise. Not make a joyful music, make a joyful noise. See, when we, when we go to a club or a disco, you know, the, the ambience over there is so addictive that the moment you get inside, you know, you are forced to move in the, in the vibe, in the rhythm, in the music of the atmosphere. But do you know that that is a cheap copy that is a cheap copy of what you and me have. We have heaven's reality within us. It's a cheap copy. Our lives are always meant to be joyful, joyful in the presence of God, irrespective of what is happening on the earth. Irrespective of what we are facing, it has to be joyful. It has to be. Amen? Let me ask you something. Has Jesus finished everything on the cross? Yes. yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Now, where is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, when he's seated at the right hand of the Father, is there anything that is above him? 
He's the ultimate position out there. Absolute power, absolute position. There's no power greater than him. He is far above. Say with me, far. He's not just above. He is far above all power, all principalities, every authority. He's far above. The reason why he mentioned the word far is that you can't even draw a comparison. You can't take a scale and you know, measure how far he is. He is far above. That's all you need to know. So Jesus is far above every power, every authority. He's seated at the right hand of God. Is that right? Where are you seated? Where are you seated? Here's the confusion that Christians have. Christians think, most Christians think, or let me say, I don't want to blame on the Christian, let me say, I used to think, Okay, Because I was so ignorant, I used to think that I will sit with Jesus at the right hand of God once I die. Somehow, Sam, make it through life. Somehow go to church, sing all the good songs. Somehow make it through this life. Once you are dead, you get to be seated with Jesus. Now, if that's the truth then isn't death my savior? If I am waiting on death to take me up there in heaven to make me seated at the right hand of God, isn't death my savior? Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Come on guys, I think you, you need to read this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. How does it go? But he, but God, say with me, but God. Okay, our lives were messy, our lives were sinful. We were dead in our sins. You know, the devil was ruling over us. Love of money had enslaved us. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. When did he love you? Even when you were dead, he did not love you once you said yes to Jesus. Oh, but I thought God was angry. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't start loving you after you said yes to Jesus. He loved you when you were sinful. He saw the worst that you could be that you haven't seen in yourself yet. He saw that and he loved you. He chose to love you, right? God loved you even when we were dead in our trespasses, verse 5, made us alive together with Christ. Now, here's the thing. Is Christ alive today? My Christian friends, do you believe that Christ is alive? Then you have to believe this, which says he made us alive. When Christ was made alive, he made you and me alive. So just as when Christ became alive, you you and us, you know, we became alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The tense that is used here is all past tense. You were made alive. You were raised with him. You are seated with Jesus at the right hand of God. It is already done. 
It's not something that is going to happen. That's why we're not looking forward for death to take us to heaven. We are waiting on Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus because he has become the reality of heaven now, in the here and in the now. Okay? So if Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, far above all power, all principalities, all authorities, where are you seated? At the right hand of God with him. That means you are seated far above all power, all principalities, all authority. Now tell me, what was coming against you? What was coming against you? Whatever is coming against you is not at your same level. It's beneath you. It's beneath you. Do you know that there are radio waves right now in this atmosphere? But for you to listen to what those radio waves are carrying, you need like a radio station to tune the frequency to that particular frequency. And when you do that with your receiver, you tune that frequency into that frequency, you begin to hear what the radio waves are carrying. Right? Tune with me, guys. Tune with me. For you to experience the reality of the gospel, which is Christ is seated at the right hand of God, so you are also seated at the right hand of God, you have to tune your mind to that frequency. Okay? You have to tune your mind to that frequency. Now, here's the thing. Praise is high frequency. Sadness it's low frequency. So when you feel sad, why do you feel that God is away? Because you haven't tuned to the right frequency. But when you become joyful, when you, when you start praising God, you are tuning yourself into that high frequency of the gospel that reminds you, just as Christ is seated at the right hand of God, you are also seated with him. Amen. You know, once I was... Uh, Traveling in a bus. Actually, this has happened to me multiple times. Traveling in the bus, also in the metro. I used to put my earphones on and listen to music. And sometimes I would get so immersed in the music that I wouldn't know when my feet and hands are moving. Okay? Now, if you, if you know Delhi, it's pretty crowded. Literally, everybody can see you. Now, once I became aware, oh man, I'm moving. I, for some time, I just stayed still and I slowly opened my eyes. I saw a lot of people staring at me. People who do not hear the music cannot rejoice. In fact, people who don't hear the music see somebody else dancing, they'll get offended. The older son, in Luke chapter 15, the older son comes back home, right? He hears the music, he sees the dancing, and he is offended. The gospel is offensive to those who do not understand the high frequency of praise. That's why the moment, the moment I began my sermon and I started speaking about joy, you started feeling something, right? Something in your heart, which was like, oh, no. Mm. Tune, 
Yes, tune. Tune to the high frequency. Listen to the music that is being played in heaven. And the music that is played in heaven says, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Come on. You are chosen before the foundations of the earth. I am going to soon cross Satan underneath your feet. There's a music of heaven that is being sung over you. But you have to tune to that frequency to hear that and to rejoice. If you're just going to come into the room and be joyful, without revelation, you're going to get tired. Joy without revelation will make you tired. But joy with revelation, oh man, it can bring deliverance. Right here, right now. Immediate turnaround. Immediate turnaround. So tune your mind to that, to that reality of the gospel. How? By praise. By praise. That's why all through the scriptures you will find. Sing out. Shout for joy. Oh, praise the Lord. How many times do you find the phrase, praise the Lord? But our praise the Lord, huh? Praise the Lord, brother. Where's the praise, bro? I am the most serious, holy praise. Praise the Lord. Did you fast today? No. Hallelujah. Amen. So say with me, tune to the right frequency. Tune to the right frequency. How do you tune to the right frequency? By praise. By praise. I want to show you this verse. It's, I love this. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. Proverbs 27, verse 21. Have you found it? Proverbs is in the Old Testament. For those who don't read the Bible, uh, Proverbs 27, 21. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold. And a man is tested by his praise. You are tested by your praise. You are tested by your praise. <laughs> you are tested by your praise. You are not tested by... <gasps> You're not tested by remorse. Many people misunderstand repentance to be remorseful. Repentance and remorse are two different things. Repentance does not mean, Oh God, I'm sorry. That's being remorseful. Repentance means change your mind. So if you become remorseful and if you still haven't changed your mind, that's not repentance. That's what the Bible says. It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. You can't repent on your own. You, you can be remorseful on your own. But for you to be repentant, you have to see the goodness of the Father. Even in my sinfulness, he loved me. Oh, even in my utter foolishness, he still delivered me. It's the goodness of the Lord. It's the revelation of God's goodness that changes your mind. Okay. This verse says in Proverbs 27, 21, that you are tested by praise. What you praise is what is your God. Whom you worship is your, whom you worship has become your God. Whom you praise has become your God. How many of you go, you know, to this Shah Rukh Khan movie, huh? And watch this action movie. Tell me the latest, the the Patan, right? And you see all these action, action things that he's doing and you rejoice in that theater. You pagans, 
but you have half the joy when you come into the house of god you are tested by your praise i love you guys i'm not condemning you but you you get my heart right why is it that the devil has stolen the real essence of praise and worship and has twisted into something that is cheap the gospel is the reason for our praise and jesus says it is finished it is done it is taken care of what are you worried about joy comes in the morning the morning has come his name is jesus what are you doing brother i'm waiting i'm waiting for the next promotion i'm waiting for the girl to appear in my dreams i'm i'm waiting for i'm waiting to go to the us i'm waiting 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 and and in the season of waiting you become so depressed what are you doing i'm waiting your waiting looks so depressing the israelites they were moving from the land of egypt into the promised land they walked through the wilderness which was their season of waiting waiting is a season the promised land is your life don't let one season affect your life no 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 just imagine with me let's let's put an estimate 2 million people walk from egypt because they are so affected by that one season they're not able to enter into the promised land why because they have built the theology of what god looks like from that season it's very harmful if you make your theology based on one season that's why you have to go back to the gospel and be like this is just a season this is not my life my life has been decided by god who chose me before the foundations of the earth so i am not going to let this change my perspective of who god is and who who i am in jesus people who change their mindset about god's promise in the wilderness in the season of that wilderness they were never able to enter the promised land do you want to enter your promised land So, so when you're waiting wait with rejoicing waiting with depression is i don't have the words for it it's not godly when you're waiting waiting wait with joy we're waiting for children we're waiting for getting married we're waiting for the next promotion but i'm going to wait with joy it's not going to steal my joy the next promotion is not the reason why i have joy it is jesus why i have joy The girl who I'm going to get married is not the reason why I have joy. I have joy now because Jesus is my joy. Can I tell you something? If you put all your joy in that one thing, when that thing comes, you'll be so disappointed. I'm telling you guys, you'll be so disappointed. Because no boy or a girl can actually make you happy. Marriage or no one. Nobody will tell you this before you guys get married. No boy or a girl, you know you all all you single people you have this fantasy that you will be cuddled by the other person and you feel so good. <laughs> my joy, my life is so joyful. I'm telling you no boy or a girl can keep you joyful. Only God can. 
only Jesus can. And he has done everything, everything on the cross. He has finished everything so that you can live a joyful life. If you can begin your life from the supply of joy, then you can make the other person joyful. Then your marriage will look joyful. But without Jesus in the equation, oh man, your life will be so depressing. For those who don't know, the, the songs that talk about love being the drug, it wears off very soon. But when Jesus becomes a joy, it becomes sustaining. It becomes a sustaining lifestyle. It becomes a sustained testimony of your life. Amen? Are you with me, guys? How much time do I have? Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> so, be joyful. Be joyful. Praise. Now, here's something that I've noticed in the church. You know, the Lord gives us a word and release that word with all our hearts. And then later after a couple of months when we go back and we ask people, hey, do you do declarations? No, pastor. Um, do you pray? No, pastor. Do you read the word? No, pastor. So, let this message not be something that you hear, rejoice, and then you leave this message here and go back home. Take this message home. As soon as this message ends, make a commitment that every day, every day, you're going to take time out to rejoice and to praise God for what he has done. Irrespective of what is happening in your life, you will take time out to praise him. Amen? Do it in the morning because morning is a good time. Because so that you can wake up and tune your mind to that high frequency, to that high reality of God's life. Put on a praise song. Or if you have, you know, if you have a phone and earphones, put on a praise song on your phone and start. Start dancing. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Be absolutely undignified in the presence of your father. Amen. If your house is small enough, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll give them bigger houses so that they can praise and dance in the house. One more reason for you to have a bigger house. You can run all around the house. Amen. I'm telling you, try this. Try this for a week. Test and see. Try this for a week. The Bible says, test and see that the Lord is good. Test and see. Try this for a week and see how your life changes. See how your mood changes. See how your perspective towards your job, the, the boss whom you don't like. <laughs> see how, how it brings joy, even when you're in that office. Why? Because your joy is not dependent on circumstances. Your joy is dependent on his truth. Amen? So practice. Guys, practice. You know, when Paul and Silas... They were beaten up, beaten up by rods, and they're put in prison. The Bible says around midnight, they begin to pray. They begin to sing songs, sing songs, singing songs. And immediately, the Bible says suddenly, suddenly the chains broke. There was such a loud noise which sounded like an earthquake. Suddenly, 
Everything that was bothering them, that was keeping them, oh man, everything that was enslaving them, it broke. You want immediate turnaround in your circumstances? Praise. Immediate turnaround. Joshua, you know, he, he has to conquer the land of Jericho. They say that the wall was quite thick. Now, I forgot on the measurements, but it was quite thick, which could not have been penetrated through natural means. So God said, walk around, six days walk around, and on the seventh day walk around seven times. Now, if you're going for a war, walking around an entire city seven times, that only Matthew can do in our church. But if you're walking around, if you're walking around the city seven times, it's very tiring. It's very tiring. You can't imagine just walking around a city seven times. After seven times walking around, they had to shout. Not sing, not sing a hymn. I sing praises to your name. No, shout. Once they started shouting, the huge walls began to break down. The Bible says the walls broke down in a way that it became a bridge for them to enter the city. It fell in a way because if, if, if just the walls just come crashing down and there's just rubble all, all over, still there are hindrance for you to get into the city. The walls that are meant to limit you, they will come crashing down to become a bridge into your inheritance, into your promised land. But the secret is praise, praise, praise. Another instance, King Jehoshaphat, he's outnumbered by his enemies. That's one good thing I like about the Israelites. When you know that you're outnumbered, put off, put down your swords, put down your spears, put down your education. For some of you who are holding on to that, put down your pride, put down everything that you think that you are, you know, you can use to fight the enemy. When you know that you're outnumbered, put it down and start praising. King Jehoshaphat put all these things down and they started praising. And in a moment, all his enemies were vanquished. Praise brings immediate turnaround of your circumstances. Immediate turnaround. I'm telling you, immediate turnaround. Hallelujah. I've seen this far too many times. And I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, I do want to be a smart person when I'm living my life, right? But there, there are times when I make stupid mistakes out of foolishness or out of overconfidence. But I start praising the Lord, Lord, even in my foolishness. Oh, Lord, you will turn this around. You will turn this around. And God has always turned it around in his grace. Immediate turnaround when you start praising him. Amen? Okay. So, there you go. Let me just give you three points. How you can stay in praise. Three points. Psalm 63 verse 3. Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life. The life that I so much take so much of pride in, the life that I, 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 I value so much, your love is more valuable and more better and more highly priced than my very own life. So I will praise you. The knowledge of God's love will invoke praise. 
the knowledge of God's love will invoke praise. So if you have lost praise in your life, somewhere you have forgotten how much God loves you. Or somewhere it has just become a head knowledge. It has not become a reality in your heart. So as you stay in the presence of God and remind yourself of all the things that he has done in your life, you know, one simple exercise is just close your eyes and just think about how God has brought you so far. It's as simple as that. If you can think about how God has brought you so far, I'm telling you, by the end of it, you will start praising him. Because you know, he chose the foolish to shame the wise. I am foolish. I boldly say I am foolish. But he's chosen the foolish to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak to shame the strong. So if, if you can look back into your life and you see how God has brought you, it, it, it would have been impossible for you to be here by your natural strength. But God has brought you. The knowledge of his love will invoke praise. The second thing, Psalms 95, verse 1 and 2. Psalms 95, verse 1 and 2. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Thanksgiving invokes praise. The first one is knowledge of God's love. Second one, intentionally giving thanks to Jesus. Intentionally giving thanks to Jesus will invoke praise. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. So if you know what God has done in your life, you will automatically give thanks. So intentionally give thanks. The third one, which is the most important, and I'll close. I'll close soon, guys. So don't sleep on me, okay? Genesis chapter 38, verse 1. Genesis chapter 38, verse 1. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. Now, I told you what's the meaning of Judah? Praise. The meaning... Of Judah is praise and the meaning of this guy whose name Hira, his meaning is anger. Now what is happening is this verse tells that Judah was living with his brothers. He leaves his brothers and goes down. Moves from a higher frequency, higher life, goes down. And starts living with a Gentile whose name was Hira, meaning of the name is anger. So praise leaves his brother and goes and has fellowship with Anger. Now, one of the reasons why praise leaves, you know, Judah leaves his brother is because, you know, Joseph, uh, they just sold Joseph, right? So he's disappointed. He's seeing his father cry. So that kind of, you know, gets him really uh, upset. That's why he's leaving his brothers. And he begins to have a friendship with a man named Hira, whose name means anger. But if you read that chapter, Genesis 38, it talks about how he gets married to a Gentile. And then he has three sons, out of which two sons die. He meets tragic consequences. When praise becomes friends with anger, you have tragic consequences. So the key is fellowship. Fellowship. Some, there's something about fellowship. The the Greek word for fellowship is Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a powerful word 
which, which resonates with, you know, fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. There's something about fellowship that in spite of what you are feeling and what you've gone through, the moment you fellowship with your brothers and sisters, you stay in the attitude of praise. Somewhere, automatically it happens. You know, you take a coal, you take a coal that is not burning and you, you put it with the coals that were already burning. What, what is going to happen? Automatically it will start burning. It will touch, it will start burning. That is what fellowship does. But, but if you take a burning coal and you keep it aside, isolated, what is going to happen? It's going to die down. Fellowship is powerful. This is what I want to leave you with. Be intentional about fellowship. And when I, when I talk about fellowship, I'm not just, I just don't mean the Sunday fellowship. You're doing a great job by coming on Sunday and fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. But throughout the week, be intentional about fellowship. Because it is the fellowship of your brothers and sisters, fellowshipping with the saints, that will invoke praise in your life. That will make you realize, why am I living this life? Why, why did I waste my seven hours of my day just wondering about irrelevant things of the world that does not add any value to my life. It kind of brings you as a reminder. It kind of pushes you into the frequency, into the higher life, into the reality of Jesus and invokes praise into you. You are the praise of his glory. Say with me, I am the praise of his glory. You are Judah. You are praise of his glory. So you have no, you have no legitimate reason to leave your brothers and become friends with anger. Don't become friends with anger. Anger is not good. Praise. Stay in fellowship. Amen. Keep praising God. You will see deliverance. You will see that you're always experiencing the reality of the gospel day in and day out. Amen. Are you guys excited? Okay, here's the thing. This is what I heard the Lord say yesterday to me. For the calling that is upon our lives, it will only take the supernatural power of God to take us there. Natural resources, natural things cannot take us where God is calling us, where God is inviting us. It takes the supernatural power of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? The job that you're in, the, the place that you're working, it's, it's not by coincidence. That is your place of ministry. That is your place where the kingdom of God needs to be revealed and it has to be revealed. Amen? But it cannot happen by might and by strength. It takes the power of God. It takes the power of God. And praise invokes the power of God. Amen? May your life be a life of joy, rejoicing and dancing. Amen? Not just on Sundays but every day.